And we are back with our special two-parter of Ladies First to end out the 2021 year. I am Corey. I have two special guests with me this time to help me in this endeavor, making their triumphant return, i.e. I managed to talk them into coming back, Alejandra and Diana. Hello. Uh. So... Yeah, I somehow managed to sucker these two into coming back on and doing two episodes with me. So thank you both for that. Anytime. You, you make it sound like it was such an endeavor. Ah, yeah, I'm self-deprecating. Anyways, we're talking about Supergirl. So obviously this is going to have to be a two-parter. Supergirl was a pretty big deal on our site for a while until I actually did reviews for it through, <sighs> I think I finally caved in season at the beginning of season four. And I was a little bit like, okay, I I'm too busy to do weekly reviews, but we did reviews for this. We've done other podcasts on this. It's something all three of us have lots of thoughts on, and the show is over. The series is done. It ended at the beginning of the month, like November 9th, and we have no more Supergirl, and I'm still feeling slightly bereft about that, and I have thoughts, and Alejandra has thoughts, and Diana has thoughts, and I'm going to be right up front. If you're a Supercore shipper, you should maybe think twice about listening to this episode and definitely think twice about listening to the second episode next month, uh, there's probably going to be some critical things in there about that particular ship and or one or both of those characters involved. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. giving y'all a warning up front. I don't want you to listen to this episode and be miserable. Like life is way too short to listen to something and not enjoy it. So save your time. Go do something else you would much rather be doing. It is no skin off our backs. We would just much rather you not be listening to something that might make you upset and just enjoy doing something else with your time instead. For everybody else, I think I got that disclaimer out of the way. Alejandra? Yes. Uh, I was going to say, I felt really, really, it felt like it was coming when Supergirl was finally canceled. I, I didn't feel much about it. But then when the time actually came for it to end, I was not expecting to have so many feelings, so many, in fact, that I started re-watching the entire show and I'm already almost at the end of season one, just watching while I exercise in the afternoons uh, because it is, you know, it's it's six years. So it's, I don't know, it, I, I did not expect to have these many feelings about Supergirl. That's kind of the boat I'm in. I mean, I was obviously a much more intense viewer because I also had to review it for the site but i was kind of like oh this show's gonna go on forever and like oh it got canceled well that's okay it makes sense some a lot of the arrow verse series are kind of coming to their natural conclusions and then we got to the last part of, about the start of october i started getting all in my feelings about wait a minute it's gone it's gonna be gone and not on air anymore and like alejandra said i had um, a lot of conflicting thoughts about that. So that's part of what we're doing here. <laughs> this two-part episode is to kind of lay the series to rest. Diana? Yeah, because like, even though it feels like this is a good conclusion point for the series, there is that sense of sadness that, oh no, I 
these characters are probably not all going to be together again ever as mm-hmm. these versions and we're probably not going to see any in-depth stories with them again like there is always the hope that they will appear again in other Arrowverse shows going forward but that will be short cameos and it is sad to like say goodbye to this part of their story well, and I also think, you know, anytime a series ends that you've kind of followed, it does feel like the closing of a chapter. So it's not just like the show is ending, but it's like a certain time period of your life is ending as well. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. it's always weird to think about shows lasting so many years and, and just thinking about how old was I when Supergirl started and when I started watching it along with it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we better not think about that. Well, just also like six years is a decent amount of time. And a lot of things have happened in six years. So many things have happened in the last six years. Oh, my goodness. A lot. Yeah. And here's a fun fact that I don't think I've ever mentioned to you, Corey. It was the Supergirl recaps that got me to start reading the Fundamentals um, regularly. So I probably would not be here without Supergirl. Yay. (laughs) Um, really, it's just, it does kind of feel like an end of an era. And we'll touch more on this in the second episode when we talk about the show's cultural legacy and what it represented and what we, you know, this episode is mainly going to be on season six and what we thought about the ending of the show. But uh, stay tuned for December for what we thought about the highs of the series, the lows of the series what we might have liked to have seen, what we're glad they didn't do, and overall the cultural legacy of this show. Because it really was. It was the first show that had a female superhero as the lead. And it still set groundwork for other shows that, you know, you've got... I I would count Legends of Tomorrow. It's it's Sarah's show-ish. Yeah, it it is basically Sarah's the lead. Stargirl. We've got another show coming up. Uh, I believe helmed by Ava DuVernay spearheaded that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Naomi, even like yeah, Naomi. We've got that one coming up. So really, Supergirl kind of had to tread that ground. And like I said, we'll talk more about it in December. But I did want to mention why that part I felt was important. For sure. Now on to season six. So here's my thing. This was filmed during a panini. Uh, They were working around Melissa Benoist's pregnancy and her uh, maternal leave. And I thought considering all of the limitations overall, they did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about the other day and you said that they made lemonade, which I think is a really good way to put mm-hmm. it. Well, I mean, especially when Car is in the phantom zone for the first half of the season. And, you know, we know real world, quote unquote, Watsonian reasons for that. But the Doyleist reasons they gave in show, I think wound up really working and really gave some time to the super friends that we got to see them have really good moments to shine. Yeah. 
And it also showed it was like, yeah, it's set up for towards the end of the series when Alex tell and obviously there's going to be spoilers in this episode. So I probably should have mentioned that sooner, but spoilers, we're talking about the end. If you haven't seen it, you know, press stop and don't come back until you watch it. Okay. That's your only warning. I thought it did a really good job of by the end of the series, when Alex is telling Kara, it's not just Supergirl. Now you have a team that can help pick up this slack too. I think the first part of season six did a really good job proving that Supergirl is a vital part of the team, but she's not, they all fall apart without her. She can take a day off and they would still be there. Yeah, for sure. That was one that was one of my favorite parts of season six, whether it was planned or not. Um, I do think that maybe uh, looking at Kara's arc in season, like not the show arc, but in the season arc probably did suffer a little bit for that. But uh, in the end, uh, I think it was great. It was just the in the first half of the season felt feels great. Right. I watched the maybe my, you know, I'm a little bit uh, out of order because I watched the second half and then I watched the first half just before the last couple of episodes came out. But for me, the, the first half of the season with the Super Friends felt great. And it even felt like they could even have their own show uh, and, mm-hmm. and have like Kara uh, pop in, you know, Supergirl pop in and go off world and stuff uh, because they did build up that team and and like you said at the end when when it's like i i don't actually have to carry the weight of the world just on my shoulders anymore uh it 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 rang true because we saw it right yeah they you kind of saw that they were setting that up with Kara a bit with her dad what is zorel is his name right Mm -hmm. yeah when he had like that episode when he was working with the super friends and he got very fixated in trying to fix climate change in one night like his resolution to that was to realize oh i don't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and he imparted that to Kara, and maybe quite at that moment she didn't realize it but definitely over the course of the rest of the season like we saw her get to that place yeah and i guess you know, to me, it's Kara can take that Catco job because she has that team. Kara could go spend a month in Argo City with her folks and her fellow Kryptonians if she wanted to and not have to feel like she was abandoning the Earth because season six did such a good job of showing you how capable this team was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on top of it too, like we got some really good character moments that I don't know if we would have been we would have gotten otherwise. Like we got um Lena and Nia like bonding over like their shared grief of losing their moms and mm-hmm. like being lost now that they don't have their mom's guidance. And that might not have come out if they had not been separated from Kara at the beginning of the season. And can I just say the two-part Midvale? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was I that am was so sad fun. that they didn't decide to do it. Well, we could do like a Smallville type of spinoff and call it Midvale with those two actresses and Kenny. 
Um, Honestly, that would be like a great mini series. I would 100% watch that. I, I would have watched that prequel series. I would have just because the actresses who are baby Cara, baby Alex are so well in tune with what Kyler Lee and Melissa Benoist have done character work wise, especially watching baby Cara, the actress, the movements, the facial expressions how she carries herself like you can tell she's done her homework it is like she really is a dead ring of uncanny yes it is uncanny unbelievable casting and just unbelievable job by them as well because it's Mm -hmm. not just that they look like them like you said they've obviously done their homework and they move like that scene where they're talking and it's like a couch scene but in a car Well, and also, I really love that they fixed Kenny's death because I they unbridged him. Yes, that was the that was maybe my favorite part of like, okay, I will accept Crisis on Infinite Earths as it means we get an alive Kenny because of how much that enriched Kara's past. Of she and Kenny were doing daring do even before Alex knew they were up to shenaniganery. Like they were up to like, oh, Midvale's the safest city and whatever, you know, because Kara and Kenny were doing their daring do and she had a helper and a partner who trusted her and she trusted him and they were equals and it was so nice. And like my personal headcanon, I'm going to go ahead and say this and get it out of the way. My personal headcanon is. A year after Into the Future, Kenny comes back into Kara's life and they just ride off into the sunset and reconnect. That is my personal headcanon. The show did such a good job selling me on Kenny. I now headcanon Kara and Kenny in the future. I I fully support this. Okay, you all spoke at the same time. So I'm going to ask you to repeat one at a time so our viewers can hear you because I think you were agreeing with me. Yes, Diana goes first. No, I absolutely disagree with you. No way. <laughs> well, then I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, no, like, I, he's just, he's so wholesome. And he's like such a good match for Kara in that way. And they mm-hmm. balance each other so well. And I like that where they ended that they both realized that they needed time to grow apart from each other because their lives until that point had been so ingrained that they had kind of become each other's anchors as much as they'd become each other's like safe space and they realize I think they realize there is this risk for being codependent yeah Alejandra yes I completely support this and I also I was talking to Diana a while back and I was I I kept saying to her I don't know why they want they keep wanting to give Kara these like hunky dude bro boyfriends when she should just have a, a nerdy boyfriend and then in comes Kenny, which I hadn't watched the first half of season six at that point. Uh, and Kenny was per- per- perfect. And I mean, he was great in his first run. Uh, and you you probably both know that I'm not a huge fan of Crisis and what it did to Supergirl particularly. Uh, but that is, that is, I think, the shining example of one good, great thing that came out of Crisis, uh, the, the unfridging of Kenny. And I, I don't know. I mean, I would love uh, to see uh that mini series like a mini series you know how car can it be just three episodes just the adventures of kenny and kara i would watch that 
to me, I also want like how rare that is of in the final season, you do a flat, you do a go back to the past episode. A, it is that good. B, you reintroduce a character to me and sell him to me as being Kara's OTP in the space of two episodes. Like what? Where does that ever happen? That has never happened for me. And especially in the final season. I'm also right now thinking about Kara uh, talking uh, to Lena in the last episode and saying that she can't, you know, at this point, she's been in this secret for so long, like like just carrying this secret like a weight for so Mm -hmm. long that she doesn't, she can't picture herself connecting with someone wholly, right? Uh, As her whole self again. But she had done that with Kenny, like before there was the 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 figure of Supergirl. They were they were superheroing together, um, you know, as Kara, you know, trying to not to be seen without the Supergirl mantle, you know, uh, emblem or whatever. And and she she did. So I, I think just it's, you know, it's a perfect. Yeah, they gave us a perfect pairing for Kara. And I imagine that Kenny is just as great a guy in 2021 as he was in 2009. See, here's my idea. This is this is why they need us. They need to hire us so we can come and do like a little six part mini season of just a prequel of Midvale with Kara, Alex and Kenny. And then at the end of the sixth episode, the final 10 minutes is a flash forward and you get to see that Kenny comes back into Kara's life and like she asks him out or something like that to me, that'd be like the perfect way to end it of just showing like, Oh, at the end of all of this, these two are going to wind up together. That's what I would do. That's what I do. I mean, uh, for, for, you know, we can, we can head cannon, head cannon, our hearts uh, to our hearts content. And and I, I love that head cannon. I, I, I fully support it. Well, and I'm also just like, the whole and I there's parts of fandom that's never let go of this idea of the perfect game night partner and I'm like well Kenny could do that (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just like why did season six bring Kenny back in my life and I am so stuck on Kenny now thank you thank you but I will say I will reiterate again the actresses that they got to play young Kara and young Alex are just so uncannily good at playing these two characters that Absolutely. I would easily watch a prequel series of all the shenanigans in Midvale that these characters got up to and or the early college years. There's my Midvale derailment and we can move on to the rest of the season. But I was just, I, I, I will say one more thing. I really like that it gave also Brainy and Naya a showcase of we have to be the responsible parties in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh Brenda and Brandon and I, I love that in that arc we had where like Franny who until this point has been like the collected one who's always like thinking things through and he comes into this after just failing miserably at least he thinks he failed miserably to read Lex Luthor and got played by him and that ended horribly and he blames himself and he comes into this an absolute nervous wreck and we get to see him kind of work through his anxieties and Nia's there having to be his support while she is also going through her own issues of 
oh, I don't know how to interpret my dream powers. And I don't know if I will ever know how to interpret my dream powers. And I love the detail, though, of Nia is the one who inspires Cat Grant to right. I should have my own media empire. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I'm sorry, the actress, again, the actors they got to play the younger versions, the actress they got for Cat Grant as well was just yeah. eerily on point. Oh, she had Callista down to a T. Yeah, but I love that Nia was like, you're the Cat Grant. You have a media, you should have a media empire, you know? And like, you, you wind up finding out like, like this is the one conversation that really like sparks her on her way. And I like, I love that. I love it. I love time you I mean shenanigans like that. But I also love of like younger Kara and Brainy are a disaster together, but they're like the most adorable disaster pair of like, this is before Kara has learned how to like somewhat convincingly lie. <laughs> like when they're, when they do the time traveling thing and they're having to explain it to Alex and they're both like, yeah. And they put their hands on their hips. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like season six is full of so many really good character moments like that, that I feel like a, the previous season and I'll say this and we we can elaborate more on the second episode but I I do think season five of Supergirl was the biggest casualty of crisis yeah for sure yeah um disastrous yeah for that show just because of how much reset it had to do but I do think season six is just so rich and full of all of these little character moments and growths and interactions that we didn't get in season five so it's like we got even more of them in season six but they're so rewarding to watch yeah like when i when i think back on the moments that stand out with these characters it like season six is definitely gonna have the most in my mind and i to me season six is you know, th- this is the group of super friends we ended with. It's not the group of, C- of super friends we started with because, you know, in the final episode, we have James and Kara and Wynn sitting at the table and they're like the OG super friends. And, you know, we can talk more about how they worked uh, in the next episode. But I really, really loved the super friend family that they ended up with. And the yeah. dynamics of everything that went into that. And I just of it, need I think, to add Kenny. <clears throat> and yes. <laughs> uh, a lot of it does have to do with the fact that, um, for example, Diana was mentioning uh, Brainy's storyline and, and just every single character got a storyline this season. And mm-hmm. uh, it was all, you know, they, they all had their struggles and they all had their, their, um, their things to overcome. But none of it was uh, negative or super dark, you know. Uh, I think yeah. that the the one of the errors of season five was that it just oh, it, you know, people want to see these characters go to extremes, and it's like no, I never wanted to see Lena become cartoonishly evil. Like I wanted to see her deal with her family and 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 you know her feeling that she needed to carry the, the legacy of a family that didn't even like her, uh, let alone love her. I didn't want to see that much. You know, uh, but but in this season, I think they and I, I think it's kind of sad to say now or it's making me sad 
that it that it really feels like they hit a stride with these characters and their dynamics uh and and just the tone of the show was perfect to me in season six i agree i mean i understand why they chose to end it and end it on a high note but i really wish we could have gotten just one more season because i agree with you i think they really hit a sweet spot of figuring out how to balance everything and how to write for every single character. Yeah. Thoughts, Diana? I just really want like a tower spinoff now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about when you mentioned, you know, every character got an arc. I want to talk about Nia's though with her sister, which I thought was so refreshing because Maeve is, I mean, I'm going to say it. Maeve was a bitch. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. Maeve was a mega bitch. She changed her fucking name so her sister couldn't come find her. And then when she knew the universe was at stake, she still was so selfish that she still wanted to go get those powers for herself. Yep. I mean, I think yeah. the, the show struck a very, very good ba- balance of making her like understandably human mm-hmm. um, and, and, and very grounded in, in because I think it was very, very important. And, and we were talking about this before that it was it was very important for this storyline in particular to be very grounded because it resonates a lot with with things going on and, and, and things that happen in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I feel like they handled it beautifully in that Nia loves her sister and she is not going to stop loving her. And that's the hard part. Uh, that's the crushing part. And, but also gave her the right to not forgive her, uh, right. and to be like, you know what, we can start working on it, but I'm not going to immediately forgive you. And I love, I love that she you know, I loved her speech to her when she was like, I feel no pity for you. I have no, I don't have any sympathy left because I think that's so important to show on screen, you mm-hmm. know, talking about uh, representation and, and uh, you well, know, and how you handle these issues. I think that was one of the most beautifully handled. And her um, setting boundaries for herself of like, yeah. yeah, there are things you've done that I can't forgive, but I am willing to give you a second and this is your only second chance and i like how she's very firm of like you know this is your only second chance you're getting i am almost done with you if i have to be because it's not healthy for me yeah and i love that they weren't preaching of like you have to immediately forgive her because she's family and like you said she loves her she's her sister that's the tragedy of it but she's also not willing to gloss over everything her sister did yeah, like, and, and I, I think we see, yep, Diana, go. Yeah, like my favorite part of that is that she said, I can't forgive you. And I, I can't forgive you yet. Because, like, it is really the cookie cutter kind of expected resolution in television shows that, oh, everything is okie dory now because they love each other. And, like, no, you can love the person, and that's still not enough sometimes. Yeah. You still need that effort. And they left it open-ended. I mean, it's on a hopeful note, but we last see Maeve knowing that the ball is very much in her court. 
Like she has to put the work in. Yes. Yeah. And they make that very clear. Like mm-hmm. it's not Nia's responsibility to work on this. Yeah. And I really, really liked how they handled that of just showing like how to set healthy boundaries, even with a loved one who's hurt you. Yes. I mean, I think the show does, you know, even with the, the mess that was season five, I think the show uh, has a good history of that because uh, I, I do feel like like they they carried on through with the through line of Lena and season five through season six of so she's still making up for what she did. And she mm-hmm. doesn't presume that she is just automatically like welcome back uh, with full rights because she knows she knows she's she made a mistake. really screwed up. <laughs> yes. But we do see her like like you said in the last season, it was I'm going to give you another chance. Uh, and this is your only other chance. And we do see her consistently make right, you know, correct choices and and be very aware because she does mention it various times that that she hasn't forgotten. Right. What she did, even though everybody else seems to she still keeps it in mind. Well, when Kara really quick, an example of that, when Kara comes back and she's on the ship again from the Phantom Zone and everybody's hugging her, Lena is staying in the back because she's not wanting to assume. That she automatically is going to be welcomed. She waits until Kara makes that move. And I thought that was like it's a small touch, but I really liked it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a show that has a good track record of, of framing actions in in a way in a very clear way and then and then framing the the redemption of those actions well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in general. Yeah, and there was like a similar moment with Lena and Car um Carl Alex when they were dealing with the phantoms in National City where they had to sacrifice what was potentially the only way to find Kara to save the citizens from the phantoms. And Lena was like, no, I can't, I can't do this because I need to make it up to her. And Alex has to make the decision for her to save the people, knowing that Kara would always put the people of Nashville City first. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a great episode and that was a great moment. But and even with I love I don't know why they decided it. I do love that Lena is suddenly a witch. (laughs) And I stopped (laughs) expecting a lot of logic from this show because I'm like, I'm watching Supergirl. I don't you're either going to be on board for what they're doing or you're not. And you're not going to have near as much fun. And I'm like, okay, so they made her a witch and she got to help people with her witch powers. It works. I'll take it. I mean, I love just how much this show also, because this is this goes back to what I was saying about them finding their stride in the mm-hmm. tone, especially that they just leaned into the goofiness of because it's always been goofy and cheesy. And that's what's great about it. Like shying away from it is getting you nowhere. Just embrace it. Yeah. And I think that's a prime example of that. Yeah, I think that's what makes season six so bittersweet was they really found a good stride. And I really wish we could have had just one more season. But again, I understand. Um, And I also wanted to talk about Kelly's episode that was also directed by the actress. No, it was written by her. It was directed by David Ronsky. Okay, so my bad. Written by her. But didn't she also have a little bit of oversight with how it was going during the shooting process? I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, especially 
Like you could tell like that last scene with her and Alex in their apartment had her touches all over it. So the CW and its track record with black characters and the black actors portraying those characters is less than stellar. Mm-hmm. I am being very understated here. It is not yeah. great. Yeah. So this episode really kind of struck a chord as we understand we haven't been what we should have been. And letting one of those actors tell it authentically from her lived perspective and also call the super friends to carpet felt like the small microcosm of the CW as a whole. And I'm not saying everything's fixed, but it at least felt like there was an acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I love that she called all of them fulfilled essentially and they realized oh yeah no she's right to call us out Mm -hmm. well and i like that they framed it like they did not let any of those characters talk their way around it like they didn't let them have an excuse any of that it was very much yeah you're right we screwed up and at the end and especially like with Kara I really like that they didn't give her an out because they could have so easily had Kara be like I'm really sorry I was hyper focused on my own trauma but I mean and that's technically true but I really love that they just had Kara owning it and apologizing and then at the end where Alex is like, yes, this isn't a one-time thing and it's magically fixed. Please tell me what you need. And Kelly's just like, I really need you to hold me because it sucks. Yeah. yeah and I, I love that in that moment, she, she says that don't expect me to be able to process all of this right now to explain it to you. Yes. Yeah. And Alex accepts that. I mean, I think going back a little bit to what we were saying about Nia and televisions, you need to wrap everything in a bow at the end of the episode. Uh, this is j- yet another example where the show gave the, the matter a chance to not be fixed, right? Uh, and acknowledge the fact that we, you cannot fix it in 45 minutes or 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's yet another example of a great character moment uh, that, you know, she was given an entire episode and it was her episode and she took it by the horns. It was, I mean, I, I, I you know, also to acknowledge um, Ozzy in this, in this episode, which, you know, can have been easy. Uh, and, and she did a phenomenal job writing it and acting it. And, and it gave Kelly uh, a beautiful moment and a moment o- also that we can that gives us a chance to imagine what kind of hero she's going to be beyond like Nixley and, and Lex and stuff. Mm-hmm. I will say the one thing I loved was the continuity and how they carried, um, what was his name? Oliver or Jordan? Orlando. Orlando. There we go. I don't know where I was getting though. I, I'm glad you knew. Who I, I, was I would to not have about. gotten to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I love though that because Kelly saved Orlando 
he was the one who gave Carter the idea to save the rest of the world in the final episode, that speech, because she saw him because he didn't let his light go. He climbed his butt up onto a bus and was begging other people and inspiring. And she saw that some of them got their color back of like, you know, they took their power back. Like he never let go of his power and he was inspiring others to reclaim their, and he inspired Kara on how to reach other people because Kelly saved him. He then went on to basically save the world because of what he, what Kara saw him do. And I love, I love that through line. You're right. And it's a character that's super minor that mm-hmm. also gets to have an arc because he, he begins very hopeless, right? He starts, um, he we starts out being like, when he's still incarcerated. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's like, I'm not going to trust you uh, with Kara initially and, and the super friends because, you know, everybody makes promises and nobody comes through and the system just doesn't work for me. And so I'm just going to run away. And, and, you know, Kara and uh, Kelly made a lot of promises to him. And it, it is very nice. I think that it encapsulates the kind of heroism that Supergirl, ha- Supergirl has been aiming for from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, which is to give people hope and, and inspire hope in people. And yes, in the end, become their own heroes, which Orlando completely did. And it wasn't just on the bus. He showed up to like leading that crowd of other national city people who were going to square off against the group of phantoms. Yep. And he was at the wedding, which I love. Um, I just, like you said, it's a fun minor character arc, but it really does encapsulate what Supergirl is about. And I love that because Kelly put her foot down, was like, no, I'm going to make sure you get help he got his hope back and then he held on to that when the rest of the world lost it. Yeah. And then we have to, with the time we have left, talk about the endings for all of the characters. So I loved them. I loved that brainy. It was like, I have to go back for the brain milled (laughs) wedding. Future's not written in stone. YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i i honestly thought he was i was a little bit fooled i thought he was gonna be gone and then he came back i was like oh thank goodness thea doesn't oh, yeah. that and speaking of because i never pay attention to the show credits and i don't watch the show until after so i didn't even get the option of noticing calista flockhart came back yeah, I didn't notice either. And I screamed. You have no idea. It was very late and I woke people up. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that Kara got to come full circle and they brought Catco back to being a part of her life and that they brought Cat Grant back in to mentor her in this next stage of her life. It really did have Kara at the end. And I, I love that she's the one who goes like, well, you've done amazing stuff as Cara Danvers and you've done amazing stuff as Supergirl. Why don't you see what you can do if both of those people are the same person in reality to the world? 
And it's like at the begin when she gives Car that speech of like, okay, are you going to sink or are you going to swim? You're in another situation like that. And we get to see Kara starting that next chapter of her life. And we probably will it. see Kat support the the joined identity of Kara slash Supergirl mm-hmm. at just like just as much as she supported Supergirl when she first came out, which is amazing. I love it. I love that ending for her that she got to get her dream job and have Kat back as a mentor for that next stage of her life. I also really loved that the dancing wedding got to happen and they've got their daughter. (laughs) See, now you have a perfect formula for a series ending. You just do a gay wedding. It works every time. Spend half an hour on that gay wedding. (laughs) Finish up the episode quickly. I'm I'm sorry. I've got to bring this up. I can't believe they queer baited us. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you just not watch the giant ass, pardon me, the giant wedding between two women and their adopted daughter at the end of this? Like, what? What? And and Nia caught the bouquet. Yeah. No, Nia did not just catch that bouquet. Nia made sure that nobody (laughs) else was getting that. And she cheated, used initiative, (laughs) you know, used initiative. And I love that they cut over to Brainy and they're like, that means you're next. He goes, yes, I am 100% sure that is next. And he is totally happy about it. Yes. I, I cannot express how much I loved. I mean, you know, with the, with the little uh, asterisks there for William, which, uh, you know, I didn't think that was necessary in the end. Why don't it, we go ahead and talk about that before we end the yeah. episode on a positive note? I am. I don't. But if there's a fly in the season six soup, it's the fact that they killed William off. Like, that. I don't think that was necessary in the slightest. They could have no. hospitalized him and it would have been the same amount of dramatic tension. Yeah, it's like the especially because like leading into that moment, you got like a reminder that oh he is a man of color mm-hmm. like they mention it very specifically with him and Esme yeah in his conversation with her and it's like you don't always need a debt for your like big dramatic tension raising I thought it was comp- I mean like I said if there's a fly in the soup it was the fact that they killed William I thought it was completely unnecessary if they wanted to they could have left him injured in the hospital and showed him recovered yeah. I thought it was a waste of the character it was a complete waste and we already you were already going to kill Lillian like if you needed a death for the final yeah I'm like what why do we need Cara to feel that she would have felt bad with him being in the hospital there was no good reason to kill William off yeah, and they kind of made him look like an idiot in that scene. Like, why would she start record? He start recording instead of calling someone. It's it, the biggest misstep of this season is For sure. how they ended with William. I completely one hundred and fifty percent disagree with him needing to die the way he went out. Yeah, at, at best, you could have hospitalized him. Kara still would have felt bad. 
then he could have been fine in time for the wedding, like on crutches or whatever, and joining and joining Nia and Kara on the next stage of Catco, because that's the type of reporter he is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like there if there's like you said, if there's if there's one thing that I that I really bothered me was that and it and it kind of soured that episode for me, too. I was like, eh, I don't love it. But anyway, yeah. that that is this is our segment of the ladies first episode where we say that that was a dumbass decision to kill William. And if we were writing it, we wouldn't have done that. So. R.I.P. William, you shouldn't have died. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of dumbass decisions, why did Lex need to get a romance arc? He did not. That is the answer. He did not need to. <laughs> he didn't end up with her. Because it didn't last. I like that they brought him back at the very end because I like this thought of like, Car is the one that finished him off, not Superman. Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm petty like that. Like, uh, I, I support as, it. as much as I enjoy John Cryer's Lex in that episode where he's like trying to win over Nixley, I just keep thinking we could have gotten scenes with seeing Alex and Kelly having to navigate parenthood for the first time, or we could have gotten so many other scenes. But here we're watching Lex try to convince someone that he's in love with them. Lex, the like biggest narcissist in the world. Damn it. Give them that screen time to Andrea or something, you know, like to me, I'm like, we got payoff for it by the end of the series of how they went out because they ultimately weren't in love and couldn't trust each other. Yeah. So. To me, it was more like character for Nixley. I'm really, I love Nixley. I'm so sad we can't have more of her. She was great. And and the actress is great as well. Anyways, so yes, if I, I can be like, we didn't need to devote that much time to it, but I'm more forgiving of that than I am the fact that they killed William. Yeah. Now, Let's go back to ending on a happy note. Kelly and Alex are finally married. They drove off in John's car. We also found out because when's a giant spoiler that he and apparently McGon <laughs> are going to have a son. Because when is the worst time traveler in history? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little odd that they were just like, Monel, I don't think I'll ever be back. And I'm like, well, I don't know why. I mean, the show is ending. Is there some reason you just definitively needed to make everybody know that that relationship would never happen? I mean, maybe to close, to to like tie up loose ends and close chapters and and all that kind of stuff. I guess. I mean, I I think Kara has been hung up on that you know, the, the, and the way that it happened was very traumatic for her. So maybe yeah. having, having him say, you know what, I'm never going to be back. So you can let me go. Uh, yeah, whatever I guess hope I that you were that. holding out, you know, you can just let it go and, and move on. And, you know, there's Paul a Kenny. nice young man named Kenny. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love like, we're not going to let this go. <laughs> um, you can let me go. Just call boy. your ex-boyfriend. What'd you say, Diana? That Kenny is best boy. Exactly. 
Um, so yeah, we, I guess you're right. We did get closure with Monel, and that leaves Kara open to pursue Kenny when he invariably pops back up into her life. Um, but yeah, Brainy and Nia got to have their happily ever after, or we know that they're going to have their happily ever after. Lena is with a found family, which I love. She's Finally free got of, a family uh, that loves her. She got closure with Lillian. Yep. And um, I assume she has Elcourt back now. Yes. I would assume she does as well, as well as doing her charitable foundation. So Lena is living her best witchy life and <laughs> is in a good place where she has a loving family who accepts and love her, loves her for what she is and invites her to game night. And she's a godmother to yep. little Esme. She got a great ending. I mean, as a as a fan of of, of Lena as a character, like I I I, w- I was always invested in her, uh, just because she had so many flaws at the beginning, that mm-hmm. uh, you know she had a long way to go. Uh, you know, I'm really really happy with her ending. She brought Andrea back to the light. Uh, Andrea now has uh, a journalism school in, in, in name of William, uh, as well. Um, who am I? Missing? I like that Supergirl took the exact opposite track of Superman. Like, no, we are going to have a super be best friends with the Luther and it's going to be good. Yes. Yes. We're not going to have a Lex. We're going to have a Lena and we're going to make them best buddies and crime fighting. And they ended on that note of like, yes, we are best friends. Yeah, and and we and you and you said we, they had a for good moment, like in Wicked. Yeah, they 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 kind of said to each other, you know, we made each other better, we changed each other, and that's good. Also, that- I just thought of this, but while it's never really been established in this show that Kryptonians are weak to magic, that is something that has been established in the comics. So it is also like another, like fun detail that oh if magic does make kryptonians weaker here's lena who is wheeling it to only help her kryptonian friend right yeah well and even even in season six there's like oh this is mad when nixley tells car this is magic you've got no power here and then it like oh conveniently lena luther is now a witch yeah the other part of season six that i love really quick before we run out of time is Nia really coming to into her own as a powerful hero? Because they show Nia squaring off and holding her own against Nixley On several times. Yeah. And I love that. I was like, no, like Nia is not somebody to fuck with. Where did she I, may I not wa- be a Kryptonian, but she can square off against a fifth dimensional being and hold her own by herself. I think I saw on tw- either on Twitter or Instagram that Nicole Main said that when they were reading when they were doing the read through and Nixley got the dream totem that um, they said and then Nixley with a dream totem is unstoppable. And then I think Katie raised her hand and was like, so that means Nia has been unstoppable this whole time. <laughs> and the show proved it as well. Yeah. And. Nicole Maine strongly hinted that she was working on a Neonal uh, comic now. So I am very excited and hope that actually comes to fruition. Manifested into existence. Yes. 
I mean, there's no reason why the DC shouldn't run with that. I just, it, it's gotten a lot of popular exposure and I think it's a well-received character and they ought to at least give her a chance. It's and Mia I love and Alex, right? That are uh, original Supergirl inventions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I love how much Nicole Maines is just like, this is my baby. You will pry her from my cold, dead hands. Yeah. As she should. So, and then just John Jones getting to be the proud family patriarch at the end. I love that. Of he, like Kara, really lost everything. And we got to see yeah. him over these six years of like he gained two daughters and a future grandson and a future son who can't quit spoiling the timeline. And now he has another granddaughter and like, he really, he got another, he got a second family and I'm not saying that makes up for the family he lost, but he ended the series basically as the world's greatest team's patriarch grandfather, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I teared up. I counted the times I teared up in the finale because I'm a crybaby and I cried five times. But my biggest cry was uh, John choking up while officiating the wedding. I I get emotional thinking about it. I think that John is a perfect space dad and he deserves all the happiness that he gets from now on. And I fully support uh, him being grandpa john to esme and every other uh kid from any not just from alex and and let's be real not just from alex and and cara but you know he's gonna adopt nia and brain any nia and brains yeah. and Lena's and all of the super friends kids in the future well and what i really liked was the lack of a father figure that most of these characters had Jean became that for them because Kara Jeremiah was gone. Yeah. Kara up until season six didn't have Zorel, and then Zorel really didn't stick around that long. Yeah. But like Jean stepped in when he didn't have to to fill that father figure void for all of these characters. There's a reason they call him Papa Bear. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that like when I say I'm not trying to underplay, you know, the feminism aspect of Supergirl, but when I say he's like the super friends patriarch, like the grandfather at the head of this family, I'm saying that as a place of he is a good man who chose to help people and he found his family and he's had such an influence on all of these characters lives. And that's, I mean, yes, he's going to have a son, but his legacy is also living on in the super friends. Yeah, definitely. Especially Alex. Alex and John together. I mean, I think I get emotional about a lot of Alex's relationships. Like uh, Alex and Kara together. Alex and Wynn's friendship is something that I missed so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex and John. Alex Alex and and Brainy. Alex and Brainy as friends i mean alex that's and not a friendship. friendship that's okay i'm gonna say this 
Alex, Brainy, and Kara, little sibling, middle sibling, oldest sibling. That's the dynamic <laughs> those three have. I'm sorry. Yes, chaotic siblings. Uh, Alex and Sam was great. Alex and Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex and Lena, when uh, when they were, got really close, I think in season three, four, I think Alex has great relationships all around. Alex should be the protagonist of the tower, I've decided. Yes. <laughs> we will make it happen. Al- Alex is the leader of the tower. Sentinel leads up the tower while Kara is doing her day job. Well, actually, they, ha- they can't. They're back at the DEO, remember? Yes, it would be called the DEO, but I, I'll take it. I don't mind. Yeah. I just want it. That's their extra hour operation that they don't want the government to know about. <laughs> Whenever the government says no, they go to the tower. How about, how about, yes, Alex is, Alex and Jean are heading up the DEO, but Orlando's in charge of the tower and keeping it up and running until they need to go over there. Yes. I think that's a good compromise. Diana, get writing. Yeah. <laughs> You're a screenwriter too. What are you talking about? <clears throat> um, yes, Diana, let's get writing. <laughs> I'm like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Why I'm is saying Diana doing all the work? <laughs> I'm just saying because Diana said that she wanted to be hired as a writer for that show. But I would take it. Oh, for sure. Ozzy would be a, our showrunner. We, uh, we already have deep plans about this. Yes. Bring back Kenny. I am not first thing we would go. do. <laughs> that is the first order of business. Bring back Kenny. Oh, yes. No, my favorite thing, because I went to look up um, who that actor was, and it took me a little bit because the internet kept spitting out um, the first actor who played Kenny, but the actor who played Kenny that I made me fall in love with Kenny, Peter Adrian Sudarso. He's actually a former Power Ranger, too, from Power Rangers Hyperforce. And he was also on Power Rangers, what was it, Ninja Steel. So, I mean, he'd fit right in. Lena's a witch. We can have a Power Ranger. He's a street fighter level. He can go off with Kelly. I'm just saying. I mean, Orlando, Kenny... At this point, we've established that the Super Friends does not have like a minimum quota to meet to be a yes. Super Friend. Well, see, but that's the great thing of like Kenny, Orlando, anybody else could be working around the tower while every other people like as they have time. The tower is just a rotation of all the Super Friends who are manning it outside of extra DEO operations. It's, it's right there. It is right there. Yes, Andrea saying. would help once in a while. Um, we could have, I mean, I know that we've never revisited this, but we could have uh, Cy back. I would love it if them. they, if we found out that crisis brought Livewire back. Leslie? Leslie, uh, Leslie and, and Cy, which was the, the, the one yeah. that made everybody I'd love fear. them as like very cantankerous anti-heroes who are like, fine. They, they show occasionally to help and they're like very begrudging about it. We'll help you. Just leave us alone. Very suicide squatty. They were like, we're going to shave off 10 years every time you come help us. 
Well, I mean, Livewire wouldn't even have to go back. Carter already let her go. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They, they could be the Olive. Sai could be shaving off time from her sentence, but Livewire would just be like, fine. And then Carter's like, no, we don't destroy buildings just because they're in the way. <laughs> now you tell me. You should have already known. I mean, Sam should definitely come back once in a while. Yeah, I mean, like the opportunities for spinoffs from all the characters that they have developed just so well are endless. But we will talk about that next time when we do the legacy episode because we are out of time. Okay. I know, I know. Where did the time go? But that's our thoughts for season six. Uh, We have a Discord that we've got the link on for our site that you are more than welcome to if you are reading this podcast article on our site. There's actually a link right at the end of the article. So if you have thoughts on Supergirl and you want to tell us what your thoughts are, and remember, we warned you not to be super core shippers watching this. I think we were actually pretty nice this episode. It's not going to be the same in the next episode, but. I mean, I, nice. I think it's fair to come and say, you know, I kind of ship super core, but it's not cool to be like, yeah, queer baiting Some of the, stuff the show happened. sucks and Supergirl is the devil incarnate. Like, that's yeah. not true. We'll we'll touch more on that and like fandom as a whole in the second ep- episode of this two parter. But if you have thoughts about season six in particular, you want to talk about, or if you want to come agree with us that, yes, Kenny's amazing, you should uh, join our discord and come say hello and tell us we're right. That Kenny's the best. That would make my day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, don't forget. We have other podcasts on the fundamentals network. Obviously we have ladies first. We also have that's Haram beneath the screen of the ultra critics. All Bark, No Dice. We also have Fae Forge Academy, which is a live TTRPG play that is every Friday. Anime Attaché is going to be coming back as well for their second season. And they're going to be, uh, I believe it's going to be based on Cowboy Bebop, which is timely because I think that just dropped on Netflix. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting a podcast. Oh, I'm forgetting Cannon Fodder. Cannon Fodder, I was about to say. <laughs> Alejandro and Diana are over here like, ah, duh, Corey, what are you doing? Don't forget cannon fodder. Um, We also started the fodder files on that. So if you are not paying attention to the fodder files, uh, you are missing out on some behind the scenes things that are going to be impacting upcoming episodes, especially with Angie's upcoming unscheduled trip that Sam is going to read her the riot act over. So definitely be checking the fodder files out as well as cannon fodder episodes and i think that's actually all the all the podcasts now i'm not going to be yelled at by alejandra and diana like you forgot cannon fodder (laughs) so again thank you to alejandra and diana for joining me on this episode as well as joining me for next month's episode i hope all of you are having safe winter holidays Please get vaccinated, wear your masks, social distancing. It's getting colder. We're all going to be inside. Let's stay safe. Okay. No drama. Y'all have a good one. Bye.